newsletter, July 2022, working with the moving lunar nodes. As July opens, the moon's north node lies at just under 20 degrees of Taurus. By the end of the month, it is retrograded. The mean nodes are, of course, always retrograde. It's retrograded back to just over 18 degrees of Taurus. That's a swing of about 1 degree, 35 minutes. Do you have any particular astrological sensitivity to those degree areas, say the sun in 19 degrees of Scorpio, an opposition to that transiting north node, or maybe the moon in 19 degrees of Aquarius, that would be the square. If so, is the karmic wave about to break for you? Is something huge and faded about to happen? Maybe, maybe not. Listen onward. Every 18.5997 years, that's just a little bit over 18 years, seven months, the transiting nodal axis completes one cycle through the zodiac. The south road returns to zero degrees of Aries, in other words. Another way to express this is that the lunar nodes spend about a year and a half passing through each sign. In my experience, don't count on these nodal transits to correlate reliably with anything big. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. I've seen them pass pretty much unnoticed, and I've seen them rock people's worlds. For an example of the latter, Will Smith's natal moon lies in 21 degrees, 8 minutes of Scorpio. When he lost his temper and hit Chris Rock at the Oscars last March, the transiting south node was in 22 degrees, 2 minutes of Scorpio. Bullseye, in other words, smack on his moon. The south node was conjuncted and the north node opposed it in that very emotional moment. What kind of unresolved scorpionic karma was welling up from Will Smith's psychic depths? Was he hitting Chris Rock? or some ghostly figure from the karmic past? Whatever the answer, that edgy, scorpionic moment will mark his public image for the rest of his life. On the other hand, the transiting south node made a conjunction with my own son on August 12th of 2019, not so long ago. That was one of the most peaceful periods of my life. Looking at my chart, I was kind of waiting for something to happen, but basically nothing did. I was cruising along, happily writing the Book of Fire with a generous grant in my bank account. It doesn't get better than that. On the other hand, when the nodal axis made a square to my son back in the fall of 1977, it changed my life completely. Within weeks of that event, I resolved to become an astrologer. I started my full-time practice and I cut all my ties to conventional career tracks. Bottom line, it feels forced and phony for me to make a big fuss about anyone's upcoming nodal transits, but foolish to ignore them too. That's because I know that if I overdo it, there's a good chance that I've cried wolf for no reason, perhaps upsetting a client and making a monkey out of myself in the bargain. I am wide open to the idea that all such nodal transits probably have some evolutionary meaning at a deep level, all of them, one that's too subtle for me to figure out. The thing is that there's enough going on in astrology all the time for everyone at any given moment that we don't really have to go scraping up subtleties. There are better uses of our time and our client's time. 
the heart of the matter. What I have learned is that sometimes the transiting nodes will be spectacularly relevant and illuminating, and other times they are duds. How can we make any sense of this? Here are my thoughts. We know as evolutionary astrologers that the nodes are always connected to our unresolved karma. We've all got plenty of that, or we would not have taken physical birth. That's what brings us here in the first place. To that notion, I would add the Buddhist concept of karma ripening, like the fruit that's about to fall from the tree. The apple falls when it's ready, and karma unfolds when it is ready to happen too. Let me go a little bit deeper into that idea of readiness. It's sort of mission critical. Then we tie it all up as best we can. When we speak of karma ripening, it can sound sort of ominous, as if you were once bad and now the long arm of universal justice is about to catch up with you. You'll have to pay the price for your past sins. That's really a backwards way of thinking about it. Karma ripening is more a good thing than a bad one. It basically means that you're ready to deal with it. You can succeed. You can resolve that karma and break free of the pattern. Since that unresolved karma hasn't been doing you any good at all, resolving it is liberating. You can get on with your life in a more empowered way. Think of it like this. Say you were physically abused as a little child. Now, when you're 13 years old and still living under the same roof with your abusers, it's not really the best time for all of those feelings to surface. You still need your parents, you know, however crazy they were. But later in life, maybe you're finally actually ready. Everything's in place for you to work through the damage. You have independence, distance from your abuser, maybe some emotional support, and maybe some wisdom you did not have when you were 13 years old. That's what karma ripening means. Again, that means it's a good thing, not a bad one. My feeling is that when the transiting nodes hit a sensitive point and nothing happens, that there was nothing there to be triggered. Maybe all your karma in that area is cleaned up. More likely, it's just not the right time. That karma has still not ripened, so the nodes tiptoe on by. All that I've written about so far has revolved around the transiting nodes, although some of the philosophy is generalizable. But there are potentially three ways that the lunar nodes move through your chart. Transits are only one of them. They also move by progression and by solar arc. Of the three moving node techniques, solar arcs are the ones that I have consistently found to be the most reliable. Unlike the fast-moving transits, solar arcs ghost along at about one degree per year. That means that they have plenty of time to generate depth and complexity of meaning. Furthermore, Solar arcs tend to be very event-oriented. They have the sun's active signature deep in their nature, after all. And the sun is very biographical. It is less oriented to subtle inner developments. All of that means that for the purposes of timing the physical manifestation of karmic potentials, solar arcs are very well suited to the task. When the solar arc nodes form an aspect to a natal planet, especially when connected to the nodal story, stand back. We can generally assume that some kind of serious karma has ripened. Rock legend T. 
Tina Turner was born poor, southern, and female in 1939. Given her age, she straddled the old patriarchal world and the new emerging one. Her husband, Ike, was horribly abusive to her. One day, she simply knew that she had had enough. She left him. She took nothing, just walked away. If there were ever a kind of BCAD line in anyone's life in that moment, Tina Turner illustrates it. Turner was born with a son in her fourth house in four degrees, one minute of Sagittarius. The day she left her marriage, the solar arc north node was at four degrees, 37 minutes of Sagittarius. Once again, bullseye. She opted for Sagittarian freedom in a spirit of radical Sagittarian faith, and she did so in the context of her home life. There's the fourth house symbolism. If you'll forgive another quick personal example, when the solar arc nodal axis uh, moved through a square to my own midheaven Saturn conjunction, I was writing my first book, The Inner Sky, under contract with Bantam Books. One does not have to look too deeply to see in that event another illustration of one of those BCAD lines that abound with the solar arcs of the north nodes. In this case, again, midheaven Saturn conjunction. It was career-related. What about the progressed nodal axis? That method of moving the nodes has a tragic flaw. It simply doesn't do very much in the course of a lifetime. It's just too slow. Remember, with progressions, days become years. That means that for the nodes to progress all the way around your chart, they would need a little bit over 6,793 years. That works out to about 18 years per degree. You very likely see the problem. In the course of a long life, the nodes might progress through only five degrees, give or take. If you are born with a nodal aspect in your natal chart, you may very well die with that same aspect still in effect by progression. It might be worth paying attention to times when one of the progressed nodal aspects becomes perfectly exact or when it changes from one sign to another, although only about one in every six or eight people will ever experience such a sign change. Ditto for the nodes progressing into a new house, but there you have yet another problem. Unless a birth time is timed to an extremely high degree of precision, you never really know precisely where your house cusps are. For example, a tiny error of a single minute in a birth time might move the house cusps, uh, cusps about a quarter of a degree. That's not much but it's enough to throw the date on which the nodes enter a new house off by four years or so. In my own practice, the progressed nodes basically fall prey to my instinct to weed everything down to manageable essentials. I do not use them except when I'm contemplating my own life or the lives of people I love very much and know very well. Even there, I've actually not gotten much mileage out of the progressed nodes. One final note. What I've been exploring here is the three ways that the nodal axis itself moves through the chart. In terms of figuring out when your karma might actually show up, these moving nodes are just one tool in your toolbox. For the bigger picture, 
Always pay attention to the transits, progressions, and solar arcs that trigger the natal nodes. Anything can trigger them. And don't forget about transits, progressions, or solar arcs to the nodal rulers. And if you have, say, the south node in Gemini, remember that Mercury, ruler of your south node, carries a lot of karmic energy for you too. Pay attention to its current positions by transit, progression, and solar arc. Just like life, with karmic analysis, we have a lot of balls to juggle. Life is complex, and the vitality of astrology stems from its ability to hold a mirror before that complexity. Paraphrasing the famous words of Albert Einstein, the wisest use of astrology makes everything as simple as possible, but no simpler. Thank you.